This is Beyond the Matrix, Introduction to the Real, Season 3, Chapter 5. In this episode, we will be talking about the community of identity first introduced in Episode 3 of Season 1 of Beyond the Matrix. Specifically, we will be talking about the fracturing of the real within the community of identity represented by the other. To begin, in Season 1, Chapter 3, we talk about how one manifests one's needs in the real, the particular manifestation of those needs made manifest by the will of the source in the substance of reality. The example given was being late for work and looking for a comb, but finding only an audio recorder. In that example, the comb is a manifestation of a superficial need for order in one's appearance, the audio recorder a manifestation of the need for order in one's thoughts. The true need is manifested in the real, which betrays the superficial nature of the form of the need as manifest in the mind. Which is to say that, one has a meeting that morning and one needs to prepare for it, which one does using the audio recorder, as opposed to the comb, which one was looking for. The idea being, that the real manifests our true needs, what we truly require in that moment, whereas our mind manifests only the superficial needs of the moment, the form of forms. Now, within the other, the real is also made manifest, according to its particular need. But, because the real is the base of reality, the unity at its center, said unity betrays a lack of fragmentation. Whereas, the other manifests a complex collection of ego-recursive narratives and a fragmentary reflection of our true needs in the moment. Which is to say, that within the community of identity which is the other, there are missing pieces corresponding to the expression of impulses which are deferred or denuded. In past episodes, we talk about how rejecting the expression of an impulse, in deferral, or in sublimation, comes a dissonant consensuality, a fragmentation of experience, a separating of two parallel paths of experience, recollection and memory. This fragmentation between the subjective perceptions of two people reflect an underlying fracturing of identity, which ultimately leads to the experience of multiplicity. But that is not the point here. The point here is that, in that fragmentation, one ceases to fulfill the affirmatory narratives of the other. Fulfill their ego-recursive narratives, and in so doing manifesting some component of the real. Since we know that this rejection of an affirmatory impulse leads to its appropriation, what we see is that the self becomes fragmented into pieces, which are assumed by other social actors. More often than not, these pieces accumulate within some other, who is able to manifest the narratives of affirmation which were lost by fragmentation. More precisely, this event appears to not be individual, in the sense that it promotes fragmentation and appropriation for one individual, but for the whole of the other. Which is to say, that the rejection of expression of an impulse, a rejection of the affirmatory nature of the narratives, which extend outward from the nine dialogues, appears to impact the whole system. In rejection of an affirmatory narrative, in the creation of a dissonant consensuality, one is not just causing the appropriation of one's own impulses, but the entirety of the system which concentrates those impulses. The question is why? It is clear that the appropriation for one leads to the appropriation for all, but the question becomes, why the concentration? What is it that links all those impulses to a specific individual? The answer is unclear. 
It may have something to do with the fundamentally dualistic conception of identity, the pairing of individuals, dialectical opposites. It may have to do with the facilitation of archetypal convergence, or it may be that appropriation for all others further to the rejection of an affirmatory narrative through the non-expression of an impulse is a deliberate step taken by the manifold other to effectuate the concentration of the affirmatory narrative in contradistinction to the negation of the actor. In effect, this final point being, that the negation of the self is recognized by the other, who defers their corresponding impulses further to the affirmatory narrative, which cycles through the system recapitulating the experience channel for the self. The narrative of affirmation, when rejected, cycles back through the system in its entirety, manifesting in the other as an experience channel further to expression, whilst concentrating the corresponding appropriated dialectical impulses in a single other. The maintenance of a particular worldview, the pairing of thoughts corresponding to a particular viewpoint of negation, generates emergent relationships of common orientation. Just as the pairing of thoughts corresponding to a particular viewpoint of affirmation, generates relationships of common orientation. Finally, the telescopic effect follows from dialectical viewpoints manifesting as contrary worldviews, which determines the particular linking of specific individuals. At the local level, this means that individuals forge relationships, or rather relationships are generated, according to a dualistic conception of identity with common viewpoints of negation and affirmation. But the telescopic effect reveals the same also applies vertically by reverse orientation. Common alters manifest the parallel linking of negation to action. To explain it another way. Above, in the global, we are linked to those whose actions negate in our place, the global narratives, which are nascent in the local. But in the local, we are linked to those whose actions affirm our negation. That's the end of the podcast for today. If you enjoyed it, please like, comment and subscribe.